Well, good morning to all those that are here with us this morning. So thankful for your presence and especially those that are visiting with us. We're always encouraged by you and especially those that are watching online as well as we're always encouraged by you as well. Tonight or this morning, actually, we'll, we'll do tonight's tonight. But this morning, we're going to be talking about some of the challenges that we face being a disciple of Christ. There are a lot of challenges that we face as God's family, Christians. What does it mean to be a disciple of Christ, to follow Jesus? Well, we begin by talking about the very invitation to follow Jesus. And as we look at these passages of Scripture, it's apparent that Jesus calls on on people of every age to be able to make a decision. It's a wise decision. It's the right decision because he definitely does not want them to make the poor decision or the wrong decision. But they're to decide whether or not they will follow him. Pretty simple enough, right? And as we think about this decision to follow Jesus the Christ, the the Son of the living God, I want you to understand that there is hope for you. There's hope. We know that sometimes people feel unworthy of the love of God and the love of Jesus, and they have this idea that that they are unworthy of anything that God could ever do for them. There's hope for you. There's hope for all of us, right? And one of the reasons why there is hope for us is because the Lord Jesus Christ is interested in us. He cares about all of us. I mean, it's hard for us to imagine that in a world that is filled with about 8 billion people that God would be personally interested in me out of that 8 billion. When we think about the love of God, we find that the Lord has an interest for the human family. That's why he came to this earth to live and to die for us because he cares and loves us. That's why I say that there's hope for you and there's hope for us because the Lord is interested in you personally. In Luke 19.10, the Bible says that the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. And I think about the great golden text of the Bible that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. To think that God loved me enough that he would send his own begotten son, his only begotten, to come and live on this earth and to die in my place because I'm the sinner, I'm the guilty one, I'm the one that should die But God loved the world enough that he gave his son to die. A sinless man to take away a sinless man's sin, if you will. That tells me there's hope. There's hope. And then I think about how the Lord is inviting you. He's inviting all of us to become his people. Listen to what he said there in Matthew 16, 24. He says, if any man will come after me, Jesus is interested in you. He's inviting you 
to come and be a disciple of his. Of course, we know what Matthew 11 and verse 28, where Jesus says that come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, we talk about how there is hope for us, but then there's also help for us as well. Sometimes we use the phrase, well, help is on the way. When it comes to the redemptive plan of Almighty God, help is here. As I think about the help that is available to all people, the first thing that, that we need to do is to resolve now that we're going to follow Jesus. Make the right decision. Make the resolution that you're going to be a follower of Jesus and Him only. That you're going to be one of His disciples. Jesus said, if any man will come after me. If you will make that resolution. If you will resolve in your heart now to follow Jesus Christ, here's what he will do for you. He will redeem you by his blood. Did, did you know that, that Jesus or the Bible says that when we come to Christ, that every sin is washed away? Acts twenty two sixteen. The Bible tells us in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the richness of his grace, Ephesians 1, 7. It was John who tells us in Revelation 1 and verse 5, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Now a moment ago I, I said that sometimes we feel unworthy, don't we? Uh, unworthy of the love of God. We have this idea that we are so unworthy of what he can do for us. Well, that's what the devil wants you to think. The devil wants you to live in sin and the devil wants you to think that there's just no way that God could ever be interested in you as a person and love you enough that he would send his son to die in your place. That he would ever be interested in you as an individual. There's no way that you can be helped in your spiritual state, that you're beyond repair. I think about many people who have that idea that they feel like that their life is so broken. And I, I freely grant you that sin will break your life. And it, sin will break you down to the point where you just feel like there's no way that God could ever love me enough to save me. I'm unworthy of his love. Sin has destroyed countless numbers of lives through the years. But the beauty is, is there's hope for you. And there's help for you. And when you come to Jesus Christ on his terms, every sin can be washed away. There are folks that come through these doors on a, on a regular basis and they, they come into the assembly who are burdened down with the, the issues of life. The troubles of life, a life of sin, they're, they're loaded down with this guilt. And the beauty of coming to Christ is that you can walk out these doors and you can be cleansed, forgiven, every sin washed away. The psalmist said, as, as far as, as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Psalm 103, 12. Like what the Hebrew writer said, he says, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities, will I remember no more. Hebrews 8, 12. 
To think that God will not just forgive me, but that he will forget about it. He'll forget about those sins. They have been forgiven. though no longer to be brought back up ever again. Forgiven. That's a great thought. No matter what I've done in the past, they'll never be brought up again. Because I have been forgiven. Now what about the obligations of following Jesus? What are some of the demands and the expectations that are imposed upon me if I choose to become a disciple of Jesus. Well, there are really three key words that I would call attention to. And that first key word, key word would be selfless. Selfless. Following Jesus involves selflessness. Listen to what Jesus said again in Matthew 16, 24. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. That's selfless. If I were to ask you today, who is the supreme example of a selfless life? Jesus. I'm sure you would say that. Because in Philippians 2, 5 through 8, Jesus said, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, right? But made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus left the very riches and the glory of heaven, the association that he had with his heavenly father and came to this earth to suffer, bleed and died for us all. Think about that. He's calling upon those who would be his disciples to demonstrate this selfless attitude to be willing to put him first. And as he said, let him deny himself. One of the real crises that we face in this age is selfishness. There are a lot of folks in our world today. When you talk about life and you think about the things that they want to do. It's all about them. Look what I've done. Look what I have accomplished. Everything has to revolve around them. This idea of being selfless, putting others first or putting the Lord first has somehow gotten lost in our society today. And all Jesus is saying that is that if you want to be my disciple... You've got to be willing to put me first. You've got to be willing to deny yourself. I would freely grant that many of us deny ourselves very little. But the Lord is saying here that if you want to be my disciple, if you want to, if you want to be my follower, then I have to be first. And I have to be first and foremost in your life. Jesus would say in Matthew 6, 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right? There are people in society today, in the religious world today, that they're looking for a group of people. They're looking for what might be something that they can identify with, that will meet their spiritual needs and, and help meet the needs of the children. But what about finding a congregation 
that will not only meet our spiritual needs, but enable us to serve, to be able to use our talents and our abilities to further the cause of Christ, to bring honor and glory to God. Jesus is not about looking for Sunday-only going Christians. He wants followers. He wants disciples. That might be the question you might have to ask yourself. Am I a follower of Jesus? Am I a disciple of Jesus? I'm here to serve. I'm here to do what I can to exalt the name of Christ and to be a faithful child of God. To live so that others can see Christ living in me. There's a second key word and that is suffering. Following Jesus involves suffering. Listen again to what he said in verse 24. He says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. The idea of taking up the cross of Jesus involves suffering. It's not a pleasant thought necessarily. And yet the supreme example of suffering was Jesus himself. The Hebrew writer tells us that though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered, Hebrews 5.8. Jesus went to the cross for me. He went to the cross for you. Think about that. He literally emptied himself of the glories of heaven, came to this earth, and as Paul said, became obedient unto that, yes, even the death of the cross. Do you remember what Peter wrote in 1 Peter 2 and verse 21? That he talked about how Christ also suffered for us, leaving us on an example, right? That we should follow his steps. What does it mean to take up our cross? Hmm. You know, Jesus is saying that if you want to be a follower of mine, then there's a good possibility that you're going to face some persecution. You will face some difficulties. And Paul would say to young Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.12, he says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Jesus would say, Well, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, Matthew 5.10. Well, the beauty of Christianity, and when I think about the teaching of Jesus, the Lord Jesus was very transparent in everything that he, that he said. That is that he didn't try to somehow pull the wool over, over man's eyes, you know. Uh, he didn't try to, to mask the true meaning of fellowship. We understood, or I mean discipleship. We understood what he was actually trying to say. It was simple enough. And yet understand this, it's going to be tough at times. This is what it's going to take to be a servant of mine. Yes, there are going to be tough times. You're going to face some persecutions in this life. There are times as New Testament Christians that we are persecuted. We might not be necessarily persecuted in a bodily fashion. Sometimes we have to take the verbal abuse. But there are times when we are shunned or ostracized because of our belief system, because of our values. But did you know that there are employees today who are members of the body of Christ that are sometimes harassed because they believe Jesus is the Son of God? Yes, it might be some of you. Or because they're not willing to compromise their morality? That might be some of you. Your ethical standards, 
to fit in the workplace. And yet you're shunned because of that. It's okay. Some employers put a lot of pressure on their employees to be deceptive, dishonest, to engage in behavior that's not becoming of a Christian. Might be time to find another job, another workplace. So, to in, what is Jesus saying here? He says, if you're going to be my disciple, then you're going to have to expect these things. What about our young people? Our young people naturally want to fit in, and yet there are times when the peer pressure can be so great. Our young people can, are sometimes mocked or made fun of, and all because they're not willing to, to drink or take those drugs or whatever it might be, smoke the cigarettes. and All because they're not willing to compromise their moral convictions and have sexual relations outside of marriage. That they're not willing to be dishonest. They're not willing to cheat or help others. It's not easy to be a young person in this world today. Or even for us as, as well. It's not easy. I appreciate our young people and others for the faith that they have, for their willingness to try to live right in such a wicked world. The world is filled with darkness, and yet sometimes many folks have a very difficult time. We had a speaker yesterday at the men's lecture said, 22 years old. Wow. There's hope for the future of the church. Wow. And if only other young people like him could carry on like that. Awesome. There is a future for the church. The world is filled with darkness. But one of the things that we ought to do on a daily basis is to pray for our young people. Pray for them. Prayer that they'll be strong and faithful to Almighty God no matter what. Because they're literally under the gun in this world. I have seen so many young people who may have started off and, and I was thinking, wow, they're going to be somebody one day. And then, oh, and behold, Satan got a hold. And they just fell with the world, doing the things of the world, and being a part of the world. But this is what it means to take up our cross. And then there's a third thing that we notice, and that's the word steadfastness. Being a follower of Jesus involves being steadfast, living a steadfast life for the Lord. And again, I think about the supreme example of, of somebody that had a steadfast, resolute course in life. And that was Jesus. I can't think of a better example. But when Jesus came to this earth, he understood what was before him. That being the cross. He came to fulfill the will of the Father. Now here's what Jesus said. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. When we become New Testament Christians, we are in this thing for the long haul. I'm sorry, but that's, that's the truth about it. There's not a 90-day option. Can I get my money back? No. You've got to be in it for the long haul to keep our eyes on Jesus. The Hebrew writer said, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, 
and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. What was it that got him through the cross? What, what, what helped him through the ordeal of the cross? It was his steadfast demeanor. A resolute demeanor. What is going to get us through this life with all of its trials and tribulations and temptations, the ups and downs, the joys and the frustrations, the tears and the sorrows? What is it that's going to somehow get us through this life? Steadfastness. That's it. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, following him. Again, Peter said that Christ had left us an example that we should follow in his steps. 1 Peter 2.21 We're striving to follow Jesus, to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. We're trying to live a steadfast life. And as Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 15.58, he says, Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And then there's a third thing that we notice here in our text, and that's the evaluation of following Jesus. Here in these verses that we have before us, an evaluation of what it means to follow Jesus. And really, what it reveals is ultimately our destiny. What we're going to go when this life is over. We think, first of all, the balance sheet of life. When I think about a balance sheet, I, I, I think about a ledger, right? When you had the profits on one hand and then the losses on the other and and it's like, oh, what the, what's the bottom line? <laughs> well, the balance sheet of life. Notice what Jesus says in, in verse 25 of our text, Matthew 16, where he talks about this balance sheet or balancing skills. He says, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose it, lose his life for my sake, shall find it. What Jesus is saying is, is that if your life exists only for the here and now, then you're going to be lost. If what you're living for is the here and now, if it's all about this life and the things that you accumulate in this life, then you're going to be a loser. In fact, you're already lost in many respects. But on the flip side of that, life lost in service to Jesus can be found. You will be saved, in other words. You see, you have to make a decision of what's most important in life. When we talk about the profits and the losses, what is it that really is important to you in this life? Is it your home? Is it your money? Is it your, your, your vehicle? Is it the temporal gratification, personal pleasure? Is it your job? I mean, think about all the things that we could live for in this life. Is it fame and fortune, prestige and power, all the things that come with life? There are people in our world today, they have brought into this side of life. And what they have said, by the way, is that their living is what's important. But let me ask you this question. 100 years from now, 100 years from today, 21, 22. How important is your money going to be for you? The automobiles that are in your driveway, how important will they be for you? The clothing that's in your closet right now, the home that you're living in, 
What about your bank account, your stocks and your bonds, your CDs? How about your business, your land? How important will those things be for you in 21, 22? And I know that, that I got to thinking a hundred years that ain't nobody gonna be here. I mean, with our children, but what about 50 years from now? What about 20, 30 years from now when you really think about it? What will those things mean to you? They won't be important, why? because you will not be here. I have to ask you this, the way that you're living today, your lifestyle, what, is, what your life is all about, what everything evolves around and revolves around, is it worth your soul? Are you willing to give your soul for what you're, you're doing today? Look at verse 26 of our text, Matthew 16. Listen to what Jesus said. For what is a man profited? What is is a man to gain if he shall lose his own soul, gain the whole world? What is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? All Jesus is saying here is that if you gain the whole world, you're a loser because you lost your soul. You have lost everything. That's why it puts it into perspective, life as we know it. It's nice to have money. It's nice to be able to have a a great job, to have a nice home and automobile, clothing and all the things that comes with life. Yes, it's great. We can appreciate the nicer things of life. We can appreciate the comforts of home. We can appreciate a good job and all the things that, that come with it. But notice this. There is not one thing here on this earth worth losing your soul over. Not one thing. That's what Jesus is saying. If you lose your soul, you've lost everything. What will you give in exchange for your soul? Money, fame, fortune, prestige, power. What have you given up for your soul? Now, Very quickly, what about the balance scales after life? Did you know that one day our lives will be placed on some scales? We'll either win or we'll lose. We'll either stand victorious or we'll be lost. Jesus said in verse 27, he says, For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. First and foremost, there is what we might call the sentencing of the sinful. Please listen very carefully. Can you think of anything worse than hearing Jesus, the Son of God, say to you, Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I never knew. I can't think of anything worse. That's Matthew 25, 41. Here is why... It is so bad. It's because it never had to happen. It never had to happen for you to hear those words. You don't have to lose your soul. You don't have to be in eternity, in eternity banished from Almighty God. You don't have to be in eternity excluded from the light of the Almighty God, the presence of Him, Almighty God forevermore. But listen, there will be a lot of people to miss it. 
because they chose to live for self. They chose not to live for Jesus. They didn't make the right decision to follow Jesus. I, I can't tell you how important it is to be a disciple. Think about being sentenced before a judge, to stand before the judge of all the earth. And, and Abraham said, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Genesis eighteen twenty five. You see, God's going to do what's right. And when you stand in his presence, and one day he will open this book right here, and he will, and the way that we have lived will be judged according to this. Our book will be opened alongside this book, and there's going to be the balance sheet of scales here. How was your book that you've been writing compared to the book that I've written for you and asked you, this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to be saved, to become a child of God, a follower of Jesus, to live that life. How is it in comparison? Paul said, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he had done, whether good or bad. 2 Corinthians 5.10 I would ask you when you stand before the Lord will he say depart from me ye cursed into everlasting fire? Would it be tragic to be in this assembly today to have examined what Jesus said in Matthew 16 right here and then to miss heaven? Think about it. But on the flip side there is the reward of the righteous. When Jesus comes with all of his holy angels and we're seated upon, well, we're seated before the judgment seat of Christ, the Bible says that he will judge those that are on the right and he'll say the wonderful, the most wonderful words that you ever hear. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Matthew 25, 23. Will he say that to you? Will he say that to you? Sometimes we ask the question, is it worth living the Christian's life? I promise you, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth the heartaches, the trials, the tears, the persecution, whatever you face in life as a Christian. It's worth it. The Hebrew writer said in the long ago, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. Hebrews 6.10 God will reward you, will reward you for faithfulness. I would hope and pray that as we think about some of the challenges that we face as disciples, followers of Jesus, that we will realize the importance of being a follower, a disciple, and that we will stand in this thing for the long haul. I mean, we, that we will be faithful come what may, no matter what is thrown into our face, and that one day when the Lord Jesus Christ comes, we will have a home in heaven. It may be that you're here today and you're not a disciple of Jesus. Maybe your life has been ripped apart by sin. Can we encourage you to make things right today? Today. We don't know if there's a tomorrow. Today's the day, 2 Corinthians 16. But it's up to you to make that decision. We hope you'll make the right decision to be a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Christ. 
by faith and believing that Jesus is the Christ, that the Son of God, that He came to this earth to live and to die for you, that gave you hope. All you had to do was repent of those sins, turn away from them. No longer be involved in that mess, if you will, and be right before the Lord. Make that good confession before these many witnesses that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Go down into the waters of baptism to literally have those sins washed away. To rise to walk in newness of life, a new person. To then continue to live faithfully to the Lord according to His will and what He has given us. The time is now. Tomorrow may be too late. We're going to sing a song of encouragement. 577. 577. If you have your songbooks, open that. And I want you to listen to the very question of the title of that song. And you answer it. And you make things right. You might be already a child of God. Listen to the question. And make things right today by repentance and praying. We're here for you. The time is now. Won't you come?